It is clear that the moon must be destroyed. Its face is the face of a madman that simply waits for us to be ready for the culling. We talk much of destroying asteroids and other astral bodies that threaten us, but nary a mention of this horrid orb that lights up our night skies like a beacon of hate. I have been aware of the moon's dark intents for some time and have long yearned for its destruction. This is not mere idle fancy, though. I have converted my opposition to our lunar foe into direct action. On an organizational level, I like to break down my plots to annihilate the moon into a series of tiny micro-plots that will cumulatively destroy man's greatest enemy. For example, one night I might piss on some grass that is lit by the moon. On another, I may stand in a cornfield and scream obscenities at this disgusting orb of our undoing. At various points throughout the day, I may spread anti-moon propaganda among various passers-by so as to counter the pro-moon programming we all receive as children. Mine is a lonely vigil, and my assault on the moon may never achieve its goals. But one must live by one's principles. Though success may be far from my grasp, I know at least I am living a moral life. If you would like to learn more about how to destroy the moon, listen on. All will be revealed here on the Post Culture Podcast. children it's me your favorite faceless narrator and I've come to tell you all a bit of a story it's one of my favorites it's a story about a farmer who lives on a farm and does farm work all day because that's what farmers do they repeat and repeat and repeat let's get started shall we farmer Johnson because that's his name walks outside, ready to do some farm work. He sees a horse. A horse is his favorite animal. So majestic, so beautiful. We all know what sound a horse makes, don't we, children? Let's try it out. Let's make the sound of a horse. Are you with me? Here goes. <laughs> Very good, children. 
That is the sound of a horse. That is how a horse should sound like. Oh, but look at the time. Story time's over for now. I hope you tune in next time because there are still so many animals on Farmer Johnson's farm. There is a fly in my home. Large, black, powerful, a bull of a fly. Fly behemoth, circling, surrounding, encroaching. I felt no peace for some minutes due to this fly. I've opened windows and doors, given it ample room to leave, attempted to be diplomatic, but it has shown no interest in fleeing my rooms. I have attempted to find common ground with the fly, offering a live and let live arrangement. Sitting with my simple meal and some light reading and allowing it to explore freely. However, the fly has chosen the route of antagonism, consistently violating my zone of comfort. It landed on my foot, on my book, on my skin, and not just for brief landings of rest and repose, but rather for insolent stretches clearly intended to annoy and exasperate. I brushed it away, as is my right, but it continued to return with a bold insistence over and over again, undeterred by my gentle gestures toward relocation. My composure has been strained by this behavior of aggressive monotony, but I refuse to descend to base violence. My life is infinitely longer than that of this lowly creature. To it, I may as well be an indifferent god. My simple meal is inedible to me now. My light reading has become a slow, muddy slog through a swamp of distractions. I look at my food and I see the fly. I read the words on the page and the fly tracks along them, right where my eyes are looking, obscuring the text, making the rhythms of engaged reading impossible. I'll admit I even slammed the book shut in disgust, making a half-hearted attempt to entomb this irritation between its French-cut pages. I am not proud of this, but it is clear that the fly's presence is not compatible with tranquility. I will devote my attention to it, but I will refrain from violent acts. I will capture and release this buzzing irritant. Show it a firm hand, but a benevolent one. The night has not gone well. Benevolence is not a working strategy and the fly is making a mockery of my efforts to remain calm. I attempted to catch it under a glass 
and it moved at the last second. It hides in inscrutable nooks and crannies until I give up searching, then reappears when I take a moment to rest. It seems intent on provoking me from my aggressive pacifism. Its favorite tactic is to land on my ear, threatening to crawl inside. The reaction it draws is instinctive, a violent swat unleashed with such force that if the blow were to connect it would mean the fly's certain death. Of course, it moves away just in time, the only victim of this attempted bloodletting being myself as I slap myself in the face. I've given up many clear chances to crush it under my palm or the sole of my slipper. My disgust at taking even the smallest life holding me back. Yet I cannot continue in this regard much longer. It is taken to landing on my most prized and fragile possessions, tempting me to strike, begging me to lash out. And to my shame I have subsequently losing more than one vintage photo frame and ceramic figure, scratches on my fingers and my own blood on my hands, my only reward. I feel myself parting ways with my guilt. All men are soldiers. They just need a calling. And this is mine. I've... I've made some mistakes. I'm not locked in combat with the fly, but rather the devil. And the devil does not aim to destroy you, but rather gives you ample opportunity to destroy yourself. My rooms are in disarray, and for a time I had it trapped in the bathroom with me, and a violent scuffle ensued. The fly, with godless intelligence, crawled under the door to freedom. I crawled out as well some minutes later, slathered in blood and shampoo and missing one slipper and my pants. I recovered myself, but only just. The most violent blow was yet to come. Once I had recovered from the humiliating bathroom defeat, I found the fly, inscrutably buzzing inside the garbage disposal. I was now attuned to its trickery, but the solution seemed obvious. I turned the faucet on full and ran the disposal, cheerfully letting them both run for some minutes before shutting them down again. To my disappointment, the buzzing and banging continued. Again, I ran the faucet and disposal silenced them and still heard the buzzing. I was so frustrated, I just plugged up the sink and let the creature remain in its dank prison. I walked away resigned to just letting it starve in there. It was the embers of my empathy that were my downfall. As I cleaned my home, the buzzing continued, the banging against the walls of the disposal seeming to get louder and more urgent with every passing moment, stopping occasionally only to pick up with a renewed fury a few moments later. The sound of loud music, cleaning equipment, and my own groans of impotent frustration did not succeed in drowning out the horrid creature's seeming death throes. I decided to unplug the sink and crush the beast, 
In such a tight space, I could not fail in cornering my enemy. My hand fit tightly into the drain, allowing the fly no escape. It also allowed me little room to maneuver, and I found it was difficult to track the fly by sound alone. The creature's cunning and my blind flailing made the task of delivering the final blow tedious and seemingly impossible. The last flames of my compassion exhausted, I decided to replug the drain and go check into a hotel while the creature starved in the dark. However, I found I was incapable of removing my hand from the drain. While I had reached in with relative ease, I was now wedged tightly into the space and, like the fly, trapped there. It was then that my enemy laid his most devastating blow. As I lay still, trying to collect myself and decide on my next move, the fly landed on my hand. I don't know if words can describe the feeling of this foul creature touching my skin while being confined in this ignominious state, its vile appendages tickling my person while I was totally incapable of brushing it away and relieving myself of this violation. I began to thrash and cry, to bang my free hand on the sink and kitchen counter, to pull at my trapped wrist until I thought it would break. It was during this mad, frenzied flailing that, in my abandoned despair, I flipped the switch to the garbage disposal. My fingers, shoved deep into the drain in an attempt to loosen myself, got caught up in the whirling blades, and the fly was forgotten as the disposal did its work on my flesh and bones. My howls were anguished and ragged and it was only by chance that I flipped the switch off in my senseless desperation. I pulled myself free with ease as my hand had been torn off at the wrist and was no longer an obstacle. I fell to the floor, a sobbing, bloody mess. I didn't notice the buzzing until, with diabolical wickedness, the fly landed on my cheek. Instinctively, I tried to brush it away with the hand that was no longer there. When my bloodied stump passed by my face, the phantom hand having no effect, the horror of it all, the hell-bound devilishness of the monster that plagued me was so clear I screamed like a terrified animal and scrambled out of the kitchen, eventually locking myself in the hallway closet where I now remain. I've blocked up the cracks in the door with winter coats and tended to my wound with flannel shirts. Outside the door, I can still hear the buzzing. What was once my home is now the dominion of the fly. I am no longer master here and it's not clear I ever was. I remained in the closet as long as I could, days perhaps, until hunger and thirst drove me out. Upon opening the door, I looked out upon my rooms in a new light, not as my residence, but as the vast kingdom of the fly. It lazed about, hardly noticing me now in my weak, crawling subservience, and 
crawl I did, remaining always below it. It seemed to like this. I emptied the fridge of its contents and laid them out for the fly's pleasure. And from then on, our relationship was set. I now feed on rough scraps it does not deem worthy. And when it lands on me, I call it a blessing. There's no longer fighting, no hunt, no violence. When I feel resentment, begin to feel a tickling in the hand I no longer have and instantly shrink back from those poisonous thoughts. I sleep no more, ever its tireless servant, for there is a fly. There is a fly. Fly. Charlotte, I can't be racist, Charlotte. I like reggae. No, that's exactly how it works, Charlotte. Charlotte, Charlotte, you will never satisfy me the way this McDonald's breakfast sandwich does, Charlotte. Don't feel bad. It's a good sandwich. Have a bite. Charlotte, I still haven't figured out who killed Jeffrey Dahmer's victims. Put on a pot of tea, Charlotte. I'll be up a while. Charlotte, Charlotte, we're adopting this baby, Charlotte. I don't care that he already has parents and that they're standing there and can hear me. I love him. Charlotte, Charlotte, Charlotte. Don't let me die, Charlotte. Even if that means you dying. No, that's completely fair. Charlotte. Charlotte. Your ignorance of Bitcoin is embarrassing not only to yourself, but to everyone else in the Red Lobster. Charlotte. Charlotte, that wasn't a very nuanced analysis of Vietnam, Charlotte. Charlotte. Charlotte, stop trying to get me to pee in your eyes, Charlotte. We tried that, and I started screaming. Charlotte. Charlotte, I keep telling you, I'll take a shower when you teach me how. Charlotte, stop yelling. Charlotte. Charlotte, your sex positivity can't beat my overwhelming tyrannical shame, Charlotte. Charlotte. 
Charlotte, I don't think we talk enough about anime, Charlotte. Charlotte. Charlotte, it's called a VJJ, Charlotte. No, that's not childish. Charlotte, you have a VJJ. Charlotte, where are you going? Charlotte? 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 Seas boil and land burns under the glaring eye of an exploding sun. An old man watches, skin sloughing from flesh, the end of all things. He turns to his flock, the dozens who still live, huddled in shade, in sweat, in steaming blood. It has come begins with a sigh. I will not say, do not despair. His heart grows heavier with every word. I will not say, there is hope. This is no time for lies. I say this, life goes on. If not here, or us, then elsewhere. Life goes on. His voice, a forlorn rasp, falls on deaf ears, dull eyes. Life goes on, he repeats for his own sake, eyes fixed on flaming skies. Life goes on. Life goes... Blistering gas engulfs the world. Ages later, untold light years away, a young man looks through his telescope, wondering at a sudden flare, a distant flash in the sky.
Assorted Thoughts. I'm donating to a charity to desegregate my local spin class and allow goths to join the rest of the population. Where's the Vatican for Mastodons? Who is the Woolly Mammoth Pope? When will we be blessed with the sunshine of the love of Mammoth Jesus? I'm sorry, I can't go to the party. No, you see, I'm what's called an introvert. It's a medical condition. Maybe you've heard of it. 20 years later, head shops selling all-natural herbal e-cig flavors to cure common ills using the 2,000-year-old vaping wisdom of the East. I dropped too many truth bombs. The city is in ruins. I live under an assumed name and in constant fear of the law. You know all those fucks you don't give? I give them. Someone has to be giving the fucks, otherwise we end up with a fuck trade imbalance. They made me close down my kiosk at the mall because the vials of Muppet blood I was selling weren't certified. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Post-Culture Podcast. We are the Squalor Illuminati. Our theme music in this episode, as usual, was provided by The Fourth Shift. You can follow them at Twitter at fourth underscore shift and also at fourthshift.bandcamp.com. I recommend you buy their new EP. Additional music was provided by Psychic Mold. You can also follow them on Twitter at Psychic Mold and at Bandcamp.com. The closing theme for this episode is a song entitled Lovely Lady by Liam McMahon. You can follow him on Twitter at Liam T. McMahon or at SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash Liam underscore McMahon. Liam also has a new EP coming out, which you can find at liammcmahon.bandcamp.com. That's L-I-A-M-M-C-M-A-H-O-N dot bandcamp.com. The new uh, EP will be entitled The Wanderer. EP, and they'll be out on December 3rd. Additional music was provided by Fred Van Epps, Paul Whiteman, Enrico Caruso, and a piece from the Alan Lomax collection. The Sound a Horse Makes piece was written and recorded by Twitter user Urban Friend Den, that's U R B A N. F-R-I-E-N-D-D-E-N. Please remember to stay healthy, stay strong, and stay fully slimmed. The piece, There is a Fly, was written by me 
and recorded by Patrick O'Driscoll. You can find Patrick in the new short film, The Assassin, at 531productions.com. That's numerals 531productions.com. Charlotte was written by Twitter user Dr. Veritas, who you can follow at D-O-C-T-O-R-V-E-R-I-T-A-S. The Life Goes On piece was written by Glenn Laurie, who you can follow at Twitter at Just A Bloody Game. Once again, I thank you for listening to this podcast. Remember, in order to stay well and stay healthy, keep watching the moon.